0: the battleship retention. i am scott nye
1: i am david Bax. neither of us is tyler smith tyler uh is still uh battling his uh ongoing um rare and uh, very difficult uh medical conditions uh if you want to know what's going on you can um read regular updates at caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. That's caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. There are, like I said, there are updates there. And also there's a link there to the GoFundMe, which you can use to help uh, Tyler and his family with uh, the mounting medical costs of, of being um, hospitalized and treated for, for such a long time. So um, that's where you can do that. Um in the meantime, we're here to talk about something um more fun. Hopefully we won't go 5 hours like last week. <laughs> hey, you never know. I, yeah, I don't think we can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no one. <laughs> both Scott and our guests are like we're not doing that. And I I feel the same way. Um but uh thank you for uh, everyone who listened to last week's uh, episode. Um, I hope you did so on your tweaked audio.com earbuds. Let me tell you about tweaked audio.com earbuds. They're available at a low, low price at tweaked audio.com. They look great. They sound great. They're, they're, I, I got like, sorry, I went all out of order. Um, they're, uh, the professional quality earbuds is what they are. They're available at tweaked audio.com. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day. Uh, Today, as I have been a lot lately, I was listening to to Fleetwood Mac, to specifically the songs that uh, the recently departed Christine McVeigh uh, uh, wrote. Um, uh, and, and uh sounded great on my on my TweakedAudio.com earbuds. They're available at a low, low price at TweakedAudio.com, like I said before. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to TweakedAudio.com Go your happy price, price line. Scott. Yo. We're back. We, we have sure a fun are. topic. Um uh, it's it's not uh like last year, it is not a topic that is going to comprise um sixty years of cinema history. It's going to comprise all of cinema history. So it'll be even longer. No, it won't be. Um joining us to um to to, to help us talk about what we're gonna talk about is uh uh, returning to the show for the the second time in the year 2022 the uh host of the movie pod, movie sorry movie podcast rico galliano rico welcome back to the show lovely to
2: be back thank you for having me i'm so excited to be talking about what we're going to talk about and i can't wait to hear how much longer we're going to tease the audience yeah probably well, knows just by reading the description of this yeah, just episode. by reading
1: the description but uh yeah i mean uh, let's get into it shall we um the uh once every 10 year sight and sound uh list of of the uh 100 greatest films of all time as voted by uh roughly 1600 critics i think is what i read this time yeah um,
0: like doubling the number every year every 10 years yeah
1: um, somehow, Scott, you and I didn't make the cut, but we were planning on doing this episode ah. anyway, when we were when I, I was reached out to by uh, someone who did make the make the cut. And that's Rico. So uh, uh, we're going to talk about the sight and sound list. It's going to be a, a, a fun, loose conversation.
2: I cannot believe that you weren't reached out to, and I'm sorry. That's like instantly an oversight, and I'm going to have to talk to these people. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe and believe me, yeah, I have a ton
2: 20... of sway. I'm a poll <laughs> respondee. and they uh, they do what I tell them.
1: In 2032, I'm sure I'll be uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'll I'll be considered. I, there was definitely a time in my life where I had more of a chip on my shoulder and if I had like seen all of these people that I know on Twitter saying like, oh here was my my list that would have bothered me more. Like especially uh, the people younger than us. Man, screw them <laughs> <laughs> But I think it is like getting older, like being in yeah my, for sure. Look like, I'm a uh uh as um uh oh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Uh the the college football coach said, I'm a man, I'm forty Um, I can't remember his name now. I don't know, Uh, I only know this reference
0: through you, so (laughs) if you can come up with the name, Um, that's all I got. You're talking to a bunch of movie geeks, man. I don't know, yeah,
1: exactly. Um, yeah, but I I don't, uh, uh, this isn't what this episode's about, but yeah, there was a time when I was like, I need to be, you know, more respected by my peers as a critic and stuff like that, and and now I'm just like. doing my thing you're respected
2: you know. by your peers i am a peer yeah. and i respect oh, there you there you go thank you i respect you too Rico. you run the show i'm a peon like you can shut off my mic at any time lot of power. <laughs> that is,
1: that's true i could do that. better respect uh, i won't yeah enjoy um, that but uh well i guess th- let's let's get in- into it this way instead of before we talk about the movies what uh can, can you i don't know what kind of nda you've signed what is the process of finding out they wanted a top 10 list from you
2: they email you I was, I was reached out to, it was like, we'd love to have you. And if you're interested, say yes. And I was like, hell yeah. I, I I kind of couldn't believe it when I found that they expanded the pool, then I I sort of got it. Um, (laughs) But I'm still like, I'm, it was, it's really, it's, it's an honor of course, but also what I will have to say is you were in some ways spared. And I'm not saying this out of some false sense of humility. Like it was, it was really hard. Like it felt like it was, it was harder for me to come up with these 10 was. Well, I mean, this probably goes without saying in our polarized times, but I definitely like labored longer and harder thinking about what I was going to vote for, for this poll than I did for like offices, you know, like actual political <laughs> or anything <laughs> like that. And I definitely, after I voted, I assume at some point, I'll probably have to reveal my list here. And it was like, I, I have spent every day since then, like regretting, at least half of my choices. I think about it every day. (laughs) And I even, and I try to cover my basis. I went on Facebook and I was like, oh my God, I've been asked to be in the Sight and sound poll. And I've got I mean, I think like most of us, we probably have the first four off the top of our head, like over the course of our lives at this point in our lives, we've seen enough movies and there are a few that have just stuck around long enough that we know it's not a fad. These are my four that for whatever. And I'm going to own them. I don't care what anybody says. These are my four favorite films ish, maybe five, something like that. But then after five, you're like, geez, like there's so many. And they change I know that they're going to change a few years from now. So like, what do I do about that? How do I uh, adjust account for that? So I went on Facebook and I told people, what are the other five that I'm missing? And it is the longest Facebook thread that I've ever generated ever. (laughs) It was zero help at all because it was like thousands. And like literally every time somebody posted, it was like, oh yeah, yeah, I should put that on there. And it was just, I, I finally ended up with, 10 that I think maybe seven I'm solid about. And I still like the other three. It's kind of like, are those, was that the day that I sent this in? Am I, do I really, can I stand behind this for forever? And then I see the list and there are all of these movies that are fantastic on this list. And it's like, ah, I should have put that one. Yeah. Um, There were others that I voted for. Because I was sure that nobody, like not many people, were going to vote for, it, and I kind of wanted to goose them, and they ended up charting really high anyway. So they didn't need me. I could have used that vote for something else, and yeah, maybe snuck sure. it over the line or whatever. Also, by the way, it doesn't. It's not like my votes were the break, make or break for any yes. of these films. So I have an outsized ego to even be <laughs> this way. But uh, it was tough. It was definitely um, tough.
1: But yes, that is actually we can we can dive into uh, the the topic at large because uh, I think it was Jonathan Rosenbaum who recently like speculated that more critics this year did what you were just talking about as opposed to just like sitting down and listing here are the ten films I think are the greatest. He he speculated that there was there was more people like thinking what can I do to get a movie like on a list, like, like playing mm. the sort of game a little more. And maybe that's why there was so much, there was so much change over from, from 10 years ago, which, which we'll, which we'll get into. I don't know if that's true. That was just something that Rosenbaum speculated that I saw someone, uh, screen cap on, on, on Twitter, but, uh, uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think of the, the big changes in the list?
0: I mean, obviously the most prominent one is Jean Dielman at the top. <laughs> um, which I think is pretty great. I mean, people have asked me about it who, who are like vaguely movie people who really like heard about the sight and, sound, sight and sound list. And they're all like giving me some version of, yeah, but don't you think they were kind of like making a point with that kind of thing? And I'm like, but it is pretty great movie. So you can't get away from that either. Um, so that's the, I mean, that's the biggest shakeup and the one I'm most kind of enthused about too. I was trying to remember if there's anything else that really stood out to me in terms of all, Elevation up. There's some elevations, there's some D elevations, I guess, that like I was less pleased by stuff that plummeted in the list, but, um, or disappeared
1: from the list altogether,
0: or disappeared entirely. But as far as stuff that really shot up, um, what what is
2: the stuff that felt that you, uh, felt passionate about? Uh,
0: the one that I will keep mourning, uh, is eight and a half falling kind of out of top 15, I think it was in last year, maybe in the top 10 last time. Um, but I think there's some way just that whole crowd of like the essential art house folks of the fifties and sixties fleeing Bergman. There's only one Bergman film on the list this time around There were four last time. Um, they've just kind of fallen out of favor to an extent. And for some reason, eight and a half has become like the emblematic one of that whole gang to me.
2: Oh, 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 to you, you don't think in the, in the real world, it's not like necessarily become emblematic of the old guard. But yeah, I, I just you- don't
0: know. Um, I'm just trying to think of other things in the list. I mean, I guess maybe uh, Persona would also be kind of in the same gang, but that's even a little later. Like, I, I think it doesn't have the same like sense of romance, you know, that Eight and a Half does.
2: I mean, I will tell you, I like. Here's, I will. I'll, I'll give you one of my criteria was, and I think a lot of people probably did this is that like each director got one slot. I didn't give yeah, totally. multiple films to multiple directors, and I think that might you know screw over some films that are definitely worthy. The for instance, my I absolutely had to have a Fellini on there. He's one of my favorite directors, but my favorite film of his is not one that was probably ever going to make this <laughs> list and it's Amarcord. But that's also one of my top 4 movies of all time, so it's like I'm not not going to vote for Amarcord even if that's a wasted vote and I know nobody is that's never going to make it on there. But that meant that I couldn't put any other Fellini film over the wire. So maybe that was my fault. What I'm saying. Yeah,
0: I can blame someone finally.
2: <laughs> take it out on me, man. I'm Italian, so I really deserve <laughs> it. Um but I hear you. I know what you're talking about. And also I mean like here's I I don't want to jump the gun too much, but I can tell you my biggest hot take sure. on this list is not necessarily something that was a change it was a conspicuous absence that i thought would have been made up for but i think i know why it wasn't it's an absence that's been on the list for i think a while but uh unless i you know i have to go back and look at the 2012 list so i'm going to retract that statement for a second but i'll just say this the as a gen xer generation x or at least the kings of generation x kind of indie art house cinema are incredibly almost all completely absent from this list yeah there's none of them and there's at least one that i thought would have been on there some of the some i can imagine why for various political and kind of you know like snobbish reasons like I'm surprised that there's no Quentin Tarantino on there on one hand. But on the other hand, I'm also not surprised that Quentin Tarantino's not on there just for kind of snobbish reasons. But Richard Linklater, I thought for sure there was Mm. one Richard Linklater movie that would have been on there, either Boyhood or one of the Before Sunrise films. I actually voted for Before Sunrise. And it really surprises me that he's not on there. But there's also, there's Noah's Anderson. There's no Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, I'm trying to think of those. And then they're kind of like Gen X adjacent. They're not Gen Xers, but I kind of think of them as kind of really kickstarting what would become kind of Gen X art house and indie stuff. There's no Cohen brothers on this list at oh, all. Yeah. And it, I almost feel like, that is because Gen X was, and by the way, I didn't vote for any of those guys either. I only like, <laughs> was the only one on there, even though they all crossed my mind. It was like, wait a second, I should have a Cohen brothers on here. Wait, I should have the Quentin on here. And there was part of me that was like, well, like everyone's going to do that. And also like as a Gen X dude of a certain age who wears glasses and was like working in an art house during that time, it's too obvious of me. Like it's too right. like, what I should be doing. And I'm, cooler than that. Like I'm somehow above (laughs) that or something. It's like a very Gen X way of thinking. It's almost like any club that would have me for a member, (laughs) you know, we're not going to pick it. And I wonder how many people had that mindset and that's what kept all those dudes off of there. But it is, I mean, like Pulp Fiction, is not on there?
0: Yeah. I'm surprised. I was looking back at the 2012 list. and It wasn't on that either. It looks like there was one Paul Thomas Anderson film, There Will Be Blood, which was in about a, I don't know, 20 way tie for 75th place. It looks like
2: (laughs) amazing. Right. And there's, and since then you could argue phantom thread,
0: there are people that would would stand behind that film or even the master for like, you know, critic heads. Well, maybe that's why maybe he's now gotten too spread out in like what films people latch on to. Oh, that's interesting. Splitting the vote. Yeah. Which
2: is another thing we could talk about. Like uh, I voted for my, uh, um, Coppola slot was for Godfather. And I honestly thought that, of course, that that was another one where it's like everyone's going to vote for The Godfather. But I was like, I can't not vote for The Godfather. That movie it created a genre and is still the probably the best example of it ever and still one of the most entertaining films that you can still call a work of art and I can watch it at any time. There's nothing wrong with that movie. So I have to vote for it. But then the fact that it's not in the top 10, I was like, that means that some people didn't vote for that in their 10. And who is that? Who is the person that hasn't put the Godfather in the top 10? And then it was like, oh, because maybe Apocalypse Now got their slot. And Apocalypse Now is down in number 42. And I thought yeah. about doing Apocalypse Now. But then you multiply that by filmmakers that have like very large canons of movies. And you can imagine that that's maybe, especially with somebody like Linklater, maybe, where he's not yeah, going to get a totally. It he doesn't help me no response,
0: film. but he maybe di- divided it up. He doesn't have the one film, and I like the fact that you put before sunrise, whereas I know at least among people I know, and maybe it's just an age difference thing. Most people go to before sunset is the yeah. one from even that trilogy, and that's just like one the trilogy alone is like even only one subset of his whole filmography.
1: What do you guys think? By the way, you, I'm, a, I'm a before sunset guy. I, mean, I like I'm I sunset love sunset guy, them, but yeah, sun sunset for me. Really? Really? Do you
2: think it's like I'm probably slightly older than you guys. You think that that's why it is? Well, like I
1: said, I'm I'm a man. man. I'm
0: 40. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm 36.
2: uh, I'm a tad older. I, I mean, to me, it's because that's the one that it just there are two scenes in that movie that kick me in the gut. Every like even thinking about them, I can't almost I almost start weeping and it's the and they're the obvious ones it's the scene in the uh in the record store where the two characters are listening to a record and trying not to show that they're falling in love with each other and the ending sequence of that movie to me, is wordlessly you don't even know what's going on for a second i'm gonna i'm not gonna ruin it for everybody but let's just say it's a montage sequence with no dialogue and just a little music playing over it and it says so much so much is going through your head as it dawns on you what it is that you're seeing, that it's like i I feel like nothing touches it and the other movies i think do the same thing right do they end in the uh, same
1: way? Well, but Before Sunset has um, what I think is one of my favorite endings of all time. Yeah. And I, I will kind of give it away because the whole the, the whole Before Sunset is the real time one. And it has like the ticking clock of he's got to get back to the airport. Then they have so long and you know it's coming up. And the last, I'll spoil Yeah, the last line where she says, baby, you're going to miss that plane. And he That's says, right. I know.
2: So, That's right. That's yeah, pretty right. great. It is pretty damn great. See, Linker Later is great, man. On the <laughs> other hand, I'll say what I said when Boyhood didn't win Best Picture, which is still kind of crazy to me. I, I can't remember what won that year. It was I think something Birdman. Bird bird man. Birdman. Good movie, but like... It's that, no, yeah, it's no Boyhood.
1: I'm not, a, I'm not a Birdman fan.
2: Yes. I mean, that <laughs> passes... <laughs> I have a best picture theory, by the way, which is uh, serves me very well most of the time, which is that look at any list of best picture for any year of the Oscar. Pick the movie that they're all probably worthy films, but pick the one that you would never watch again. And that's the one that's going (laughs) to (laughs) win. Great movie, but I'm not going to I have no need to watch that again. Um, The uh, but yeah, the boyhood that year lost. And it was like the greatest part of that is that that means that Richard Linklater is still punk on some level to be. <laughs> go. And maybe
0: he's even more punk for missing this list.
2: That, yeah. uh, what do you think? Is this <laughs> list, this list I feel like doesn't have quite the Oscar. Yeah. The right. attached to it. Cause it's wider ranging.
1: It's wider ranging, but also I think a lot of the changes, especially at the top with things like Jean June uh, um I think it reflects that film as we've talked about on this podcast cinema is not the dominant art for or as dominant a public like popular yeah. art form as it was 10 especially 20 mm. years ago and so i think uh because in the present day you see this with people reacting to a.o scott and, and manila Dargas's. uh uh top 10 of the year lists like i haven't heard of any of these movies where's the thing that was popular or whatever in the present in the present day it is less likely that the most popular films are also best than it's ever Mm -hmm. been and so i think that's probably affected the way that critics now are looking back at the history of cinema and not and they're being less populist and i don't think it is like a putting a thumb on the the scale or trying to be hipsters or thing i think it is like where a critic sees him or herself or themselves uh in 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 2022 is different than it would have been in 2012 or in 2002 um because they're not like out here talking about the most popular form of 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 entertainment anymore so i think that's it's it's sort of gradually Mm -hmm. and almost subconsciously uh slipped away from being a a, or, or at least populism has slipped out of the, 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 mean, a, little, a little bit. Yeah.
2: That's yeah, a little less populous. That's interesting. And probably true. I, I uh, uh, man, I forgot what I was going to say. It sounded like you were about to say something, so I'm not going to interrupt you, Scott.
0: Oh no, I was just agreeing. I mean, this is a point I've made many times over. And which at, for the age range, I in, mean, because I entered college the year YouTube premiered. So it's just been a gradual descent of entering film school. And then ever since then, film has gotten less popular. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's right. And I think um, it is getting more specialized. And so I think that explains a lot of the kind of the shakeup at the top 10 to get like Beau Traval in there. And... It would also
2: explain why somebody like Tarantino, who's arguably like the most popular still yeah. and yet still art house. Filmmaker doesn't make it on there. It's like,
0: yeah, I, I thought for some reason Pulp Fiction was on the 2012 list, but it wasn't. Um, and so it's, I, I think at this point, because of what you're saying, that like, even though he's remained a pretty popular artist, he has kind of culturally fallen, fallen out of favor a little bit. And so that's, I think, where you get some of the divide between popular film culture and what film culture gets defined, or the people who define film culture, um, which tends to be a more specialized niche crowd. Them. but
2: but the other thing to account for i'm not, there's two things actually that you'd mentioned there was this talk about putting the thumb on the scale
1: mm-hmm.
2: and certainly i don't know did you guys you must have heard about paul schrader's tweet about yeah. this right yeah <laughs> for yeah. those who don't know he put out a very cranky tweet about how this is like some of course. example yeah. of wokeism
1: woke, um, woke reappraisal was his <laughs> phrase yeah
2: i'm not sure that it is, because I don't think that there's any editorializing going on here. I'm not positive about this, but I'm I'm pretty sure this is raw numbers. Like, people voted.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. There was some yeah. speculation that they invited more people in a second round. I think you may have mentioned this at the top, um, because right. the list had come out um, kind of like familiar and they were like okay we need to shake it up in some way i don't know if that's true or not i just felt it was worth mentioning but at the same time like that just means more people responded and then it's a better list so like whatever they were seeking out of it and if they got that sure fine but it's still raw numbers yeah and still just genuine people voting for movies they really love so yeah and 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 i think
1: a a big thing is like that guys who uh, i mean i hate to like it it hurts me to say bad things about Paul Schrader because I love his movies so much. But me too. It's uh, uh, an old an old crank and and revealing himself to be a bit, bit of a dinosaur with that with that sort of statement because these these guys uh, who have complaints like this can't accept that things just change and so if th- they they have to see like if this list is more diverse, um, they have to see this as as like someone. Being intentional, someone like yeah. Goosing it, trying, where it's like maybe the list is more diverse because younger critics are and the values of cinema. Like maybe that's why, like you said, Tarantino doesn't make the list because uh culturally he's 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 got some 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 demerits. It's not someone saying like I'm going to punish Tarantino. It's <laughs> that the the voters' values have changed by there being younger voters, and I try to be aware of it as well now that i'm not you know when tyler and i started this podcast when we were i mean 24 i guess like we were like the young guard <laughs> now i'm a man i'm 40 um and i'm and i'm not and i have to, like i sometimes have to adjust to like not that the, not that I even necessarily would have if I had a list voted for Lawrence of Arabia, but it's like it was shocking to me that Lawrence of Arabia isn't on You're the list. Right. But holy like, God, Lawrence <laughs> of Arabia isn't on this it's, list. Because I've grown up at a time when Lawrence of Arabia was always up there as one yeah. of the greatest films of all time. And I, and I also love Lawrence of Arabia. But um
2: You know, you know what, though, but I'm sorry to go off on a tangent because you're making a really good point. But I do have to mention, I wonder if there's something, too, about that is that they have opened up more uh, slots for polls. There probably are more young people that are voting for this. And I will tell you, and this was in our podcast, like it was in the first episode of last season's podcast, which is about movie theaters. And one of the points that I was making at the very beginning was that movie theaters are important because there are certain kinds of movies that only translate in theaters. And specifically, I talked to a woman who was showing me my, the old theater that I used to w- work in, which is like a palace. It's like seats a thousand people or something.
1: Oh, we talked about it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And she basically was like, she says that she went with her kid and watched Lawrence of Arabia in that theater, but it was late. And they were enthralled, but it was late and they were kids. So they had to go home. It's a three freaking hour movie with an intermission. So they went home (laughs) at the time, rented a VHS player tape to finish watching it at home. And she put in the tape. All the family was totally psyched to watch it. And she said, within like 10 minutes, I was the only one watching. (laughs) Because it's not, it does not work on a small screen. It has to be seen on a giant screen. And how many young critics ever get the chance to see that movie not on a giant screen, especially if they're not on, you know, in the major cities on the coast.
1: Yeah, I was so, gonna say, if you're in a major city, you probably have You're inundated with opportunities. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. have an opportunity to see Lawrence Arabia. Uh, any any true. sort of rep house worth its salt is gonna show it, but yeah, yeah, not in other parts of the of the country.
2: And will you necessarily go? Well, you know, you may be busy. I would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. Yes, yeah. yeah, so if you're a critic with yourself, you should go, by the way. If you're <laughs> listening out there, you young whippersnappers, <laughs> take the shot. But I wonder if that has something to do with it. Um, but that's crazy. Also, Dr. Zhivago, not on there.
1: Oh, yeah. Was um, that on, but they, that wasn't on before, was it? I don't know. I'm I'll bet you it was up. on an early one. I'm looking Yeah, at it those. wasn't
0: on the last list. Um, yeah, the access thing is definitely pretty key. I mean, a lot of people complain that there's just too many movies from the Criterion collection on here and sure enough, if you go to that channel, they or the kind of they stuff they it. create on the Criterion channel, there's more than 50. Um, and that's just one that they were streaming, not, just, not including the stuff they released on disc. But, like, Criterion does a really good job of making things accessible and really promoting it and, like, getting voices behind their catalog that legitimize it. And that makes a difference over time
2: also they have an awful lot of movies now so it's going to be hard (laughs) it's going to be that they've put out on
1: dvd uh yeah but but, i I mean it's sometimes i feel like yeah i i I don't like that uh i was going to say sometimes i feel like something that is very obvious but when something and whenever something gets popular people start to automatically uh there starts to be a backlash against it as if criterion it's like yeah maybe criterion is the availability or the criterion brand is making people think uh, higher of those movies, but also it's not like they're out here picking shit movies. Most of the yeah. time. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> like, like most of the movies that Criterion has are pretty good. You know, yeah. and it's even it- if they're not good, they're like they're usually from a director who has a body of, of 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 good work. I've seen. I would say most of the bad things I've seen that are Criterion movies are like uh, late period works from <laughs> great tours <great Right>. <laughs>
2: Sure, or very very early period works. Right. <laughs> Um, that's really true. There was a, by the way, something a friend of mine said that I think is also could play into this whole conversation is that he pointed out, this is not really a top 100 list. It's a top 100 top 10 list, right? Everybody picked, you could only pick 10 movies. And when you're only picking 10 movies, you're making different selections than you would if you were picking your favorite hundred movies. And I, I feel like my list, I almost picked it like I had a hundred slots in a way, which is one of the reasons why I was kind of kicking myself afterwards. Because some like I'll give you one that I knew was never going to be on here, but would be on a lot of people's, or maybe maybe not a lot of people's, but I'll bet you it would have made on some top 100 list or something, is something like uh, The Road Warrior,
1: hmm.
2: which I think is you know again created a genre super important piece of filmmaking you know brought to a, the wider audience one of i think the greatest filmmakers this is another thing by the way is that there are a few filmmakers a lot of them australian worthy peter weir and uh why am i now flaking on if directed road warrior george miller yeah like those two guys have almost never made a bad movie they're they're incredible careers where and like every movie is fantastic in some way and none of their movies are on this list because, but I think they would be on a lot of people's top 100 list. Um, and, but instead it's like, if you're going to pick 10 lists, they have to be really special or really noteworthy in this like kind of insane way. And I wonder if we would have had maybe more populism if everybody got to make a top 100 list and that got aggregated.
0: Probably. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, yeah. Um am uh, just, just looking over the list again here. Uh, Cause you were, um, you were saying Rico about how much you uh, fretted about this. Uh, and I was realizing that I would too. Cause I have, I have my own personal top 100 movies list because Tyler and I made one for a thing we did in the Patreon like five years ago. But when I think about how I've changed in five years and how many more films I've seen in five years, like I would have to, In order, if I were had been asked, I would have had to make not a new top 10 list. I would have had to make a new top 100 list (laughs) so that I could have a top 10. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, if I look at what would have been on my top 10, I'm not going to say, I don't know, a lot of people have been saying what their list would have been. I'm not going to say, but um, Why? Why don't you uh, tell us? That uh, is desperately wants to know because I haven't, because I haven't done that because I haven't gone through every movie I've ever made and made a new top 100. I'm afraid that if I say my, what my top 10 would have been based on this list, someone will say, well, what about some masterpiece that I saw in the last five years and forgot about, I mean, like, cause I mean, Scott and I just did a whole profile of Jean-Luc Godard's career. And so I've seen like double the Godard that I had only a few years ago now. Um, and wow. that would have, does that might change my, my, my top 10 um yeah i think um i'm, I'm looking at my uh m- my list and uh whether or not i would well i think the one thing that i'm really sad uh that it wasn't on the list speaking of populism uh is the texas chainsaw massacre i would have liked to have seen that because it is yeah. uh, it In is the- not only my favorite horror movie of all time it is it is one of the i consider it one of the greatest films ever made but um We'd, That's what I We don't want to sound like there's not. I don't want to make it sound like there's not genre movies on here, though, because there is like The Shining yeah. and, and and Get Out made its uh, its debut and and stuff like that.
2: And by the way, Get Out uh, can thank me for that. Get Out is ah. if you go and look at ah. the list. If you go and look at the list, the very first thing you see is Get Out. It barely made the list number 94 tied with a bunch of other things. And I voted for it, which means Jordan Peele owes me a beer. (laughs) Um, You should definitely tell him that. I'm sure I will the next time we're just hanging out. Yeah, of course. (laughs) But I I stand by that. I think it's like a great movie. I also had had one movie in my top 10 from this year, which I think was... I think it was ballsy AF of me, but I do.
1: Was it I, everything everywhere all at once? No. Oh, okay. That's never, what everyone wants to see.
2: You would um, never guess. That's true. And that, that uh, would be a legit call. Now that
1: you say you would never guess, now I feel like I have to guess what movie <laughs> from this year would have made it on the list. Was I will it give a, you
2: a, I'll give you okay. a hint. I've actually left it as a comment on one of your Twitter threads.
1: About what?
2: It's about female female uh, directors. Oh, huh. you liked it, so you read it.
1: Um, <laughs> okay, was it, it was it stars at noon then? No. All right, I don't know.
2: It was uh, cow. Andrea Armas cow.
1: cow. Right on. Yes.
2: It is. Cow. And it's what, by the way, that does not, that also passes the, uh, in some ways it passes the best picture test because again, it's a movie that like, I'm probably never going to watch again. It's just right. not because it's not fantastic, but it's just too yeah. freaking hard to watch that movie again. But I do think that it is. And did you both see it? Yeah. I yeah love we it.
1: actually saw it together at, uh, that's right. at, a- at AFI fest in 2021. That's why I wasn't thinking of it. Cause in my head as a 2021 movie, cause that's what yes.
2: It got released here in 2022. Um, it is, for those who haven't seen it, it's a documentary about, that just follows a cow through uh, four years of its life. Uh, it's a, from the birth of its calf till, well, I won't say when, yeah. and which will give it away. But it is like, when there's almost no dialogue in it. You only kind of tangentially see people in the corner of the screen and hear A little bit of what's going on. And it says more about what is happening in the world right now, I feel like. It's one of those movies. Like, I always feel like when a movie, you've already heard me say it, I always feel like if there's a moment in a movie where something is happening and there's almost no dialogue happening and your brain is going through all sorts of meanings that are like novelistic in their complexity that's when you know that a film is really working on like every level you're like this there's nothing that i'm thinking right now is on the screen and yet i'm thinking all of these things it's unbelievable and cow is like that there's just like there's no dial. It's not even human beings on the screen. and I'm having thoughts about like civilization. <laughs> <I'm> wow, <watching laughs> yeah. this film. Yeah. It's just, but it's brutal. It's a really, really tough watch. But I just think there's never been a movie like it. In- so
0: what were the other eight films
2: on your
1: list? Okay, yeah, let's do it. Oh, oh crap.
2: See, you guys get to just hide behind
0: you weren't asked, so you'd never have to i'll this. I'll roll out the list I threw well, on hey, Twitter. It's, okay well uh,
1: while while, while Rico gathers his list, I want to ask Scott a question. Sure. What's what's your Texas Chainsaw Massacre? What's something that would be on your list? Where if you could get a wish granted by a genie and make it be on the Sight and Sound list, what would it be?
0: Um, let me see. Looking at my the list, I did throw out. I think probably. <laughs> I didn't I think it. Me. I mean, like, because my gut pick is Wild Strawberries, which has like been a favorite for decades now. But I think for the pure pleasure of seeing a movie on the list, it'd either be Last Year at Marion Bad or Young Girls at Rochefort. Uh,
1: yeah, I was actually double checking to make sure Young Girls of Rochefort was not. Yeah. Last Year at Marion
0: Bad isn't is on that list. I know. There's it, no
1: it, Renee at all.
0: No, I barely made the 2012 list and didn't make this one. Uh, That's nuts. Yeah, I didn't vote for I, it either though. There you go.
1: But if I had a <laughs> if I had a ballot, I probably would have done Hiroshima mon amour so I wouldn't have been a help. Yeah, you You'd so be part of the problem. I, I also would have been part doing the no more than one per director. So. Yeah.
2: I almost feel like I shouldn't read my list because I really, it's like, I'm so ashamed of it in certain (laughs) ways. There was What's really weird about it is that the thing that I'm ashamed about is something that from the very beginning, I was like, this is what I'm doing. And I still, I'm not sure why I'm doing this now and and why I did it, but I had it in my head that it was like, I'm not going to vote for anything pre-70s. And it was like, I don't know why I had that in my head, but it was basically like, I feel like... I think it was because I just figured, well, you know, it's like every year it's Vertigo, you know, it's, uh, sorry, Citizen, Citizen Kane, Kane. Yeah. you know, Singing in the Rain. the only thing that was really from the 2000s that made it on the list uh, in the, the top of the list last time around was In the Mood for Love, I think. Um and I was just kind of like, plenty of people are going to vote for Casablanca, even though that would definitely be on my list. But like, everyone's going to vote for Casablanca. I'm not going to do. I'm going to bring this forward into the modern age. And by the way, I'm not even like that young, so I can't even breathe that. <laughs> and then you. But it's true. It's like how last year, Mariambot is it on there? Like that's freaking insane. And a bunch of like. Actually, my favorite Godard movie isn't on there. Which is masculine, feminine isn't isn't on there. Uh, not that I think a lot of people would vote for that. Yeah, I'd be surprised 30. if that made it. But still, I've voted for other stuff post seventies that I knew weren't going to get on there. Like I already said. Anyway, here's here's my list, but and it's okay. all and it, so there's my caveat is that it was like all going to be post seventies for no good goddamn reason. <laughs> <laughs> really. um, uh, one. Uh, and this was also a surprise that neither of his major films were on here, uh, Wings of Desire, been Oh, sure. I don't think any movie has ever looked like that before or since. It's still like a, just an unbelievable looking film. And it's mm. so, and it like, I just have a soft spot in my heart. If you, that also was mentioned at the very first episode of our last season of the podcast, because it's just like one of the great movie going experiences of my life was seeing that movie. But I'm not so surprised that that's not on there, but like Paris, Texas, isn't on there mm-hmm. really? Cause I I just rewatched that and that holds up remarkably well. Um, I do feel like vendors has sort of fallen out of fashion in a lot of ways, but I love that. Those one of those two movies I felt should have been on there. Uh, Road warrior, as I said, Mr Kord, as I said, another person that I don't think had anything on the list, unless I'm missing it, uh, made one Sean sales. Oh, there are no John Sales movies on this list, as far as I know.
0: Yeah, sales is like I haven't seen a ton of John Sales movies because I think it's just an accessibility thing. Like his movies have only just started to get like the big criterion releases. They don't really come around, like the streaming rotation that often. Um I think that's right. And yeah. particularly
2: Mate One, for a long time, the even the DVD version of Mate One was like one of the most horrific transfers of a film to dvd yeah. that i've ever seen in my life it was just
1: i, ha- I have that do you really <laughs> i have that dvd yeah it's not great but on an upcoming uh patreon episode we've uh recorded but haven't released yet i, I talked about like almost probably 15 years ago at the arrow in Santa Monica, going to a double feature of Lone Star and brother from another planet, which two movies that wouldn't seem to have anything to do with one another, except they're both made by John sales <laughs> yeah. and they're both fucking great. They're like my two favorite John sales movies.
2: Yeah. And they're both fantastic. You're right. They're yeah. so, so good. Lone Star. Amazing. And like none of those, those might've even been more like Lone Star. I could imagine making possibly a top 100 and if things fell a certain way and they were more accessible, maybe more so than May 1. But I just think Mate 1 is like one of the great kind of like American movies ever made. Uh, Godfather. They ask you, by the way, part of the deal is that you can write a little sentence or two about each one mm-hmm. of these things, and I did about all. Of, you don't have to write anything, but I did about each of them. But for the Godfather, I just put obviously. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing more that I can say about the Godfather. uh Do the right thing, which made it in the Great. uh somewhere in the 20s. I think that that is like inarguable, and just gets better. The thing that's amazing to me about that movie, by the way, is that. At the time that it came out, it seemed so completely of its time that I think at the time I might, if you would ask me, is this movie going to still like resonate in, you know, however many f- 30, 40 years, would it still have the same resonance? But I said, I don't know. And it's like way more so. And not just for the politics. It's just like the portrayal of a community. It's just like... That movie, if you haven't gone back to see that, anybody listening, you should go back and see it again. It's just amazing. Cow, um, Barry Lyndon, because I, right I had to have it. Yeah, would you, well, which, would you have picked that of the Kubrick canon?
0: That's still been my default pick. I mean, lately I've been trending towards Eyes Wide Shut, but I think I, I still have enough like historical cachet with Barry Lyndon being my top Kubrick movie for so long, that I think I'd probably go with that really you, eyes wide shut I, yeah I, I,
1: yeah i can one, see that i might i might do eyes wide shut too um yeah
2: i gotta tell you i haven't seen it since it came out and i liked it when it came out but as most people did and as most people do when this um, kubrick movie first comes out they're like eh, not as best
0: but i know that it's been really gaining in stature and i have not rewatched it oh you should get back to it for sure especially if you can see it on uh screen somewhere it's I mean, you saw it on first release, you know how good it looks, but it looks so much better on film than it does on DVD. Yeah. All
1: right. Okay. No, I, I've changed my mind. I'm going to be basic and obvious, but I can't lie. It would be 2001. I would, I would say 2001.
2: That's what I struggled with, but I rightly was kind of like, everybody's going to vote for 2001. In fact, I thought 2001 would be the number one this year. That's, Mm. it, it just felt like it would, and it was number one in the director's poll. They have a separate poll. Yeah. Of yeah. just directors, and it was number one, um, and I just kind of felt like it doesn't need my help. But it is of all the Kubrick movies, and I love them all. I feel like the one that's for some reason—it's weird because it's, in a lot of ways, is artiest with quotes around it. <laughs> but it's the easiest for me to watch. I think maybe it's because it's it's least, even though it's pretty misanthropic, it's maybe the least misanthropic. You can at least pretend at times that it's not misanthropic. So it. <laughs> it feels better watching it. Like after watching any other movie, I'm like, humanity is doomed. The end. (laughs) But Barry Lyndon, I just feel like so many people, I I feel like our crowd gets that Barry Lyndon is like one of the great masterpieces of cinema. But I think like when you think of Stanley Kubrick, so many of his movies have something spectacular about, them. there is something spectacular about Barry Lyndon, but it's like, it's not a sci-fi movie. It's not a horror movie. It's not a horror movie. It's like a costume drama in the same way that you don't think of like what was Scorsese's costume drama? Sorry. Uh, Age of Innocence. Age of- like nobody thinks of it. It's just for some reason, but that movie, man, and it's brutal. It's like his most beautiful movie and his most brutal movie somehow at the same time, even though it's like this slow thing, um, before sunrise and get out Nice. So for my guys.
1: Well, that that actually is a good dovetails of the next thing we talked about movies that have dropped off but i wanted to go focus back on movies that made their first appearance on the list um and you had two on your list get out obviously but also you mentioned do the right thing which is one of the highest first appearances at 24 oh to wow go from to go from not being on the list at all to go yeah. 24 the only two that beat it meshes of the afternoon at 16 and Cleo from five to seven at fourteen. Um and I can understand why um Cleo from five to seven like this sort of one-two punch of like I Anya Svarta's like last dish film faces yeah. places getting up like a, a lot of attention and then her passing away right after that. I understand why an Anya Svarta film would would um uh, premiere that high um I don't really uh, have such an explanation for why meshes of the after- meshes of an afternoon would be so high, but I have no complaints. It may not see- <laughs> I, Honestly, I honestly haven't watched it since film school, but I loved it. Um, so no complaints there, but what, what, I don't know. What did you guys think of, of the movies that showed up for the first time on the list?
2: Hmm. Yeah. Wait, did you say meshes of the afternoon was the first time?
1: Uh, yeah. Or at least it wasn't on 2012 to 2012. Well, speaking of that, actually, right oh, now
0: I'm looking at the wrong list. Ignore okay. me.
1: So um, my season of the afternoon might have been on an earlier list, but it, uh, it wasn't on the 2012 list is what I, I, I should have clarified what I meant by that. Yeah.
2: Point. Fascinating. I'm I'm uh, kind of surprised that do the right thing wasn't on the 2012 list. I should have gone back and looked at the 2012 list before I did any of these, by the way, <laughs> including my list.
1: But, <laughs> but I mean, the, me. the things that, the things that do the right thing uh, covers in, in terms of, you know, um, gentrification and systemic racism and police brutality and stuff like have been so in yeah conversation uh, uh absolutely recently and again this is i want to say like i'm saying it's not like i'm saying oh this was just a someone trying to make a point like do the right thing is also just undeniably and arguably a masterpiece of a movie uh <laughs> and, but it might be on more on people's minds because of because uh, of more recent uh current events
2: I will also say, though, that in 2012, I can't remember what he had just done, but there was definitely a period, I don't know if it was in 2012, honestly, but there was Was
1: definitely... Was it like the miracle of St. Anna had just come out or something? I don't remember. There was
2: definitely like a a middle period for Spike Lee where he was kind of falling off the radar, and I feel like had a little bit less cachet than he does now. I think just people like reevaluated his entire career and were kind of like, Yeah, we can talk. We can think about him as one of the great filmmakers again. I don't know. That's I get. I'll put it this way: in like 2016 or something like that, maybe even earlier. Like, it might have been like 20, might have been 2012, 2012 or 2014. On my old show, Dinner Party Download, I interviewed him, and we weren't on the radio yet. Like, we were just a podcast at a time when podcasts weren't a big thing, and we didn't have that many listeners and I was able to get an interview with Spike Lee and we talked about do the right, cause he had just put out the do the right thing book with the script in it and everything. And I just, I feel like people weren't as interested in talking to him. Like I just feel like he'd fallen out of favor. Maybe in, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's why.
1: I, I mean, I'm looking at it and you're kind of right. Like after 25th hour, there was, she hate me. there was, inside man which is well liked and is a good movie but just not seen as it's not an art as, film it's yeah. not seen as, as as that then there was miracle at saint anna and then uh red hook summer came out in in 2012 so yeah i mean that this was obviously not a part of his career where he was being celebrated at the level that he has been um since uh i don't know at least Chirac in 2015
2: Um yeah maybe? that seems that feels like maybe that's when it starts to like upswing um but, you know, I mean, it was lucky for me. I got to sit in a hotel room and like, shoot yeah. the breeze with sparkly. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? Here?
0: Um, um, I was trying to look for other like debuts. Um, Sling and Julie go Boating, I think, is the first Rivette film at all that's been on um, a list. Yeah. And that's, and that's a
1: Criterion release. That's a Criterion release,
0: another
2: access thing. It. Yeah. Do you really? Uh, so do you think that it's something, it really is to that? I hadn't heard that, that people were saying that the Criterion effect was... was it could possibly
0: account for something else. well i mean in Celine and Julie's case it especially helps that it was available at all like it just hasn't been available like period for so long um in any form so that it got a release from a big prestigious uh company and also i think bfi themselves put it out in england so it's kind of been making the rounds more and revet has been more available than he was for a while uh so that he's more in the conversation um, I also just noticed Chunking Express is a debut. It wasn't on the last list, which kind of surprises me because I feel like that's had a pretty good stature for a while. Yeah, we're actually doing an episode of that in our next season. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, which is more
2: about the music that was used in it. But um, uh, yeah, I feel like he has become remarkably Like, it is still remarkable to me that In the Mood for Love also was on. And not because there's a, it's not a deserving film, but just that like people are were cool enough <laughs> <laughs> to like put him on the list starting in 2012 i think his it was the only movie of the 2000s and it was in the top was it in the top 10 even in 2012
0: no it was 20 i just had it up 24 and actually mohan drive was on the last list too
2: yeah which is also pretty i think hip of people somehow yeah <laughs> i do think by the way this is a general thing that i've been not noticing recently for those who haven't I, seen
1: yeah, it sorry you guys keep talking for a second something just happened here
2: oh sorry dude okay Oh, I hope everything's all right. I know. <laughs> we're, I'm in LA, so it's not an earthquake. Every well, time. that's good. Uh, um, you you saying that? The, uh, I feel like David, the fact that David Lynch has now become kind of beloved, uh, occupies a space of like beloved character of American cinema and arts is like, a, it's a tribute to something. I think that when David Lynch, if anybody had told me that when Eraserhead came out, that he would be like a fairly universally known and, you know, widely respected to the point of landing in the top 10. Is he at number eight? Eight. Yeah. Mulholland drives at number eight. And then like simultaneously uh, he appears in, I won't give away what the circumstances are for those who haven't seen it, but he appears in the Fableman's, you know, Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah.
0: (laughs) He's just like this beloved King Takeris character.
2: Yes. Um, And like also is brought out in a way that the audience will go like, oh, of course it's David Lynch. You know, like a fableman's audience is going to know exactly who David Lynch is and how this kind of echoes with the character that he's portraying. It's kind of a wonderful, amazing thing.
0: Yeah. It's funny that him and Martin Scorsese, another guy who like, even when I was growing up still had the kind of a air of, Slight sliminess. I don't know, like something a little seedy about a Martin Scorsese film. Um, and now they're just like these beloved grandpas of cinema.
2: Yeah, I guess that's true. And, and by the way, that's something to talk about. Goodfellas. It was uh, there was a brief moment where I was like, I feel like I should have Goodfellas, but if I have Goodfellas, then I can't have Godfather. Uh, and okay. For some reason, it was like I can't have I uh, I can't have a list. I kind of know is, what you mean. Yeah, it's like one eighth gangster movies i don't know why that feels like it. they're very different gangster movies
0: uh yeah so much so that when i showed my wife goodfellas for the first time she was like oh why did not i watch that years ago i thought it'd just be like the godfather which she didn't not a big fan of no offense i'm sure um <laughs> uh, no i think she would like it more if she sought the godfather for the first time now i think she probably saw it in high school and that was like it and she just mm-hmm. kind of found it like kind of dull and whatever Sure, uh, but yeah, I mean that's and that's.
2: I was kind of surprised that's only at number sixty three. I thought that that would have risen. Yeah, higher.
0: same here. Um, so th- for the Scorsese films, it's that and Taxi Driver. Of course, would those be your two Scorsese's, or would those even be among your Scorsese's if you're picking? I guess for, Goodfellas came close then.
2: For sure, Goodfellas, but yeah. if then. Um, And for the same reason, by the way, one of the reasons I couldn't have it on is that it's almost the same thing. It's like the Godfather. They're just these movies that are so um, addictive. I can watch them. Like, honestly, sometimes I just, and I don't know why it must say something terrible about me that I'll go to like YouTube and just watch (laughs) goodfellas clips just for fun no, i guess uh, it
0: has a witch clip you're...
2: <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> it's not like guys getting beaten to death it's more yeah, like yeah. the jailhouse scene where they're like just slicing garlic yeah,
0: just cooking dinner
2: yeah what would be the, i mean i guess the, i think those would be those taxi driver and uh goodfellas is there any and is there something i'm missing i mean raging bull is a big one for me raging, raging bull is not on this list i know it was... it's crazy there was a time, for those who don't know, where that was considered the greatest movie of the 1980s. It was goaded at the time, the greatest movie of the decade.
0: And I is, think, arguably. Understandably so. Yeah, I'm, I'm that and Last Temptation. So I've always been more of an 80s Scorsese guy than a 70s or 90s. Because That's, you got that, you got King of Comedy, you got After Hours, which is pretty great. Pretty great. I was thinking about After Hours. That would be a very punk yeah. And useless vote. Nobody's <laughs> never gonna I'm sure it somebody on. has run their ballot. I'm looking forward to them releasing the individual ballots so I can kind of like tease through them. It, it will
2: be. Well, I'm not looking forward to it because I can't wait for somebody to see my list and be like, Welfare. what?
0: Nothing. The passed- pre-70s stuff. <laughs> yes. I'm
2: like, because I'm dumb. That's- <laughs> That was the other thing. You can either write a sentence or two about each film, or you can write an overarching mm. little like paragraph about your picks. And I should have done the latter to put them yeah. in context.
0: It's not just been like I'm I you know, I swear I actually watched movies from before nineteen seventy. I yeah. just made this random decision. I'm not just so an if idiot. You, yeah, if you had picked one movie from before nineteen seventy, what would it be? It'd have to be a Casablanca. Yeah. It's, i was kind of surprised as low as it was that would have been in my 10 for sure
2: yeah, like here's the thing if i was going to complain about one thing on this list in terms of and it's by the way ridiculous to complain about where things ranked, yeah. because i feel like probably the difference in how they ranked was not very much you know it's all they made the top 100 that's a pretty amazing yeah. thing uh but the um the fact that singing in the rain is at number 10 and Casablanca is way down where it is. It's like, and that that is no slight against musicals. There are plenty of musicals that I would even have singing in the rain, maybe somewhere on this list. And but I know surprising numbers of people that put this in their top 10. And I recently saw it like literally a few days ago, the night before Thanksgiving, Mm. they had a screening down the street on the big screen And with a wonderful audience and like what better time to see singing in the rain than the night before Thanksgiving. It feels just right for it. And everybody was in a great mood and it's a wonderful movie, but it was exactly as I remember. It was like, this is a treat, but it's not like the most sterling musical. It's a, one of the jukebox musicals of its era. It's you can see where they basically like welded a plot, Thing to happen so that they could just squeeze one more song in. There's like all sorts of clunkiness about it. It doesn't matter. I love those clunky things about it, but it's just like it's not an elegant piece of filmmaking (laughs) in a lot of ways. And like, how can that, if you're going to go to golden era Hollywood, how can that rank higher than Casablanca? It just feels like I'm not sure what's going on there.
0: Well, I think musicals in general are, are a little bit more in fashion now than they have been for a couple of decades and somehow singing in the rain is just like the one that's emblematic of the great golden era of studio musicals and so you have a bunch of people who are like okay i gotta get a great sterling example of the golden age of musicals singing in the rain
2: it's true and i can't think of maybe a better golden age era although cabaret is not on this list and that's arguably the greatest movie musical ever um in my opinion um and i'm trying to think of this if there's any others i mean I don't know if you can make it bigger, but like maybe in St. Louis isn't on the list. Um, yeah. The, the uh, but I don't know. It's a, I, again, I wouldn't mind it being on the list somewhere, but at number 10 is in the top 10. <laughs> that seems nuts to me. I mean, over again, over like eight and a half here, I'm going to look at any of these things. What comes <laughs> right after it over the Godfather, for God's sake, <laughs> over the searchers. <laughs> Apocalypse Now, the seven samurai, <laughs> you guys but i mean, of I, course, I like
0: singing in the rain more than all of his movies so maybe i'm part of uh, your problem here
2: there it's a great movie like i said like i could watch it it's it does hit that addictive thing like if yeah. i'm in the middle of singing in the rain i'll watch it to the end for sure but i just feel like it's not it, it's not exquisite it's not exquisite it's fun and wonderful it's like a lovely dessert to me
1: well there's room for that um, there's always room for dessert on the list uh, sorry, guys. Uh, I sorry, mean. sorry. I, I missed like uh, five minutes what you're talking about there. So I I, uh, I don't want to repeat anything that was already already said. So uh, uh, what are we on? What are we talking about?
2: Yeah, what uh, what were we talking about? We just kind of rambled. Yeah. Uh, okay. I can't remember Before I left, I, I
1: had I had brought up movies that were appearing for the first time, or at least were not on the um, the uh, the 2012.
0: List, yeah, we kind um, of turned through that,
1: okay. So, did, about, did, did you mention how Indian many
0: range. we talk about Scorsese?
1: But, oh, did yeah, you meant, right. uh, uh, so many of those that that list that I'm talking about, like things that are appearing for the first time, are directed by women Clear from Five to Seven, yeah. the Afternoon, Daisy's Portrait Lady on Fire, Wanda the Piano News from Home, Daughters of the Dust, uh, The Gleaners and I. Oh, Two Tubard on here, I didn't even. Uh, put that together. Yeah, um, I should have mentioned of- news from
0: home when you were first asked about this because that—that's my Chantal Ackerman pick, and I'm pretty pleased to got on there. Yeah,
2: this too. By the way, it's Chantal Ackerman too. It's just like I—I I, I think a lot of people have said this too is that that's about access as well. Like since totally. she since she passed away, those people were talking about her, and now they can actually go out and check her out. Yeah, so when, it's I, not um, nuts.
1: when I saw jean Demant, I was. I was in film school. I didn't see it in film school. It was not a movie that was taught in my film school. I was lucky enough to go to college in Chicago, which uh, had and continued, continues to have a, a bustling repertory scene, including um, what I think is considered the al- oldest ongoing uh, uh, student-run uh, uh, screening series, Doc Films at the University mm. of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I saw Jeanne Deman Like, I just would look at, they would put out their, like, monthly like here's what we're showing and i read about it and i was like i've never heard of this before this sounds fascinating i have to go see this because there was no other way to see it It wasn't like hey you go yeah. to blockbuster and, and and get it uh criterion hadn't you know put it out yet or anything uh and that was how i saw uh, Jean Demand, which was a testament to how great the movie is because uh, I don't know if Doc Films is still using the same auditorium they were 20 years ago, <laughs> but it was not comfortable. It was not a comfortable place necessarily to sit for three and a half hours. So it really uh, uh, speaks to how the the thrall that movie had, on, <laughs> had me and uh, that I was able to weather those those hard wooden seats for three and a half hours
0: yeah the one time i saw it theatric was at ucla film intelligent archive which is probably a little more comfortable than what you're describing but doesn't have a lot of like leg room either right is, uh, <laughs> i know what you mean i'm also looking
2: I, I probably would have put god there's so many movies on here that i would have put on there. the apartment breathless blade runner was something that i was definitely thinking about but pre-1970s yeah blade runner i'm uh, sorry breathless bicycle thieves i mean Absurd. By the way, the other day, because Bicycle Thieves was on this list, I haven't looked at it for a long time, and I went <laughs> I went on YouTube to watch the ending, which I remembered as being wonderful, and it is. It's just like instantaneously, it makes you want to weep that ending. Yeah. But what I was watching was a somebody's channel, which is called something. Everything ends with. It was a. It's. Gonna be a good day. Wait a minute. Hold on. I gotta find out. It's a joke channel where basically they take clips from famous movies and then they, it's the endings of famous movies and then they drop in a song as the ending credits movie, the same song. Uh, Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Everything ends with, oh my God, everything ends with, and Bicycle Thieves. You can cut this part out, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We, I could probably won't probably all. Um, oh yeah everything
2: ends with so you had a bad day
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god
2: um, and what's really great about it is that unlike all the other things on this guy's channel which are really quickly he drops in so you had a bad day over the movie this one they show he shows like 10 minutes of the film so you think you're watching the clip you came to watch and then suddenly you're like what the hell is going on here? And somebody in the uh in the comments was like, "I'm really glad I watched this to the end because I was going to use this in my film class as an <laughs> illustration of something."
1: <laughs> um Speaking of bicycle thieves, that uh, I'm glad you mentioned bicycle thieves because it reminded me of something. There's, uh, I've seen some complaints with things like Get Out and Portrait of a, of a Lady on Fire being like. This movie too recent, you know, to to have earned uh, this place. And it uh, reminded me that Bicycle Thieves topped the list in 1952, four years after it was, it was released. Yeah, uh, Love and uh, Tour I mean, was, was, was number little...
0: two, two years after. What was Love and Tour? Two years after it came out it was number two.
1: That's yeah and I, I there was only half as much cinema history then as there is now, so that's. I guess that's that's a that's a that's a part of it but uh yeah. I, this but I, I mean I, I guess i am still pushing back against the Paul Schraders of the world who were yeah. accusing this list of being you know sort of reverse engineered yeah um, this this sort of stuff has always happened.
2: And by and by the way, again, I'm also like deeply respectful of Paul Schrader in some ways. I like the year that he got beaten up by Green Book. It was like, really, Paul Schrader still doesn't have an Oscar, and that guy does for screenwriting. Are you kidding me? But uh, it is like you would. I'm kind of surprised that there's so much pushback against Chantal Ackerman from that generation because, like, it's not like that movie isn't from 1975. Like, those guys must have been going to see her films. Back then Paul Schrader was going to AFI in the 70s, or maybe it was the sixties. But nonetheless, it's like it's not completely out of the realm, right? That's been a, a film school staple for a while.
0: Yeah. And it's like a super cool hit movie that still has a lot of power in it. It's not like some stodgy thing that like is representative is just representative of female filmmakers or whatever. It's yeah. like a really involving, really well made movie. And it's
2: also not like something that came out yesterday. Like you can't yeah, even totally. make the argument that this is like some flash in the pan. <laughs> or yeah. It's, like,
1: yeah, it's yeah. Been around. Yeah. And it was, it was 36, 10 years at and, and number 36, 10 years ago. It didn't like come out of the blue. Yeah. Sure. Um, do we have any other thoughts, uh, on the list? We wanted to get off our chest. Think? Um, blow up is not on here.
2: Interestingly. Um, Because I think I mean, I guess it doesn't surprise me, given the kind of nature of the police, um, because I mean, L'Aventura is the probably more breakthrough and more difficult of of his movies. But Blow Up is probably if anybody knows one of his films, that's the one that they're going to know. And it didn't
0: make it. Yeah, I'm actually kind of looking at this now. I'm surprised that the only Rossellini movie is Journey to Italy, which I don't think terribly highly of. And I adore Rossellini. So it's strange that like Rome, Open City. Or, um, right, Stromboli didn't make it instead, or in addition, rather, you're right. And the only it's
2: eight and a half, I guess it's eight and a half. And uh, Dolce Vita made it from Fellini, right?
0: Um,
2: and Lestrada. oh, Lestrada's the on there, okay. So, also yeah. one of his early ones, he's well represented, he's all right, yeah, he's doing all right. <laughs> Fellini did okay,
1: <laughs> rest, um,
2: rest easy, everybody,
1: okay. So, if I were, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I just had, I'm gonna go ahead and say. This is very basic if I based on the list I made five years ago. So don't get mad at me for La Chinoise, my new favorite good art, good art film not being on here, but based on the list I made 10 years ago and removing Barton Fink, because that's like, there's too much extra test. Like the reason that I love Barton Fink has so much to do with things other than the movie itself. Like my, <laughs> it's like a childhood memory or like a teenage memory or whatever. So here would have been mine. Vertigo, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, In the Mood for Love, Laventura, Moholland Drive, Hiroshima Monomore, Picnic at Hanging Rock, uh, Passion of Joan of Arc, Young Girls of Rochefort, and the uh, and Black Narcissus. That's I think what I would have what I would have put. Thank you for the Peter Weir. Yeah, yeah. But uh I know, I I I guess uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre gets my my uh horror or not it, it 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 pains me to not uh put an american werewolf in london on the list which is another one of my favorite horror movies uh, uh of, of all time but uh, it's got to got to go, go to toby Hooper.
2: i just watched that the other day it's so great um yeah i mean i think that's like a very worthy list and like makes me but it's really also funny. go cry based on my list
1: <laughs> but so it's also erudite. entirely White male directors, except for Juan Wai. So, um, get it together, yeah. David. Yeah, I <laughs> I, I'm just further evidence that I'm part of the old guard nah. <laughs> You know, I mean, like,
2: I did, I, I I made sure that I had gone thoroughly through lists to make sure that I was, I, I like tried to guard against the, that uh, tendency, I think, because right. I definitely yeah. went to film school where, like, there were not very many female filmmakers taught. Um, which is also why I'm surprised, though, by the way, that Maya Darren at one point fell off the list, because if there's one female filmmaker you were taught, it was like day one of film yeah. school with Maya Darren.
0: We're going to get through this as fast as possible. We'll acknowledge <laughs> there were female filmmakers for 14 minutes. <laughs> That's the best we can do.
1: Yeah, that is so strange that that's yeah that's the one female director I remember being taught in in film school. I it's like
2: of... it is insane. That is never going to be the case again. Thank God. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, Chantal will be day one
1: now. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps. <laughs> day, one. day one, three and a half hour. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, you gotta speed it up.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, well, ease uh, them into them. Ease it in a little slowly. <laughs> Um, Well, let's do this again in ten years. Uh, Thanks, <laughs> um, you guys. Hopefully, Scott and I and Tyler will all have contributed. We'll be all. We'll be among the thirty-two hundred uh, critics polled in, t- in twenty thirty-two. No doubt. Yeah. Um,
2: and they'll, they'll uh, still be print, and probably podcasts will be a thing of the past. So then, I'll be the one right. that's left out. <laughs>
1: uh so you can uh let's see you can find us at battleship there's probably reviews of some of these movies um as a definitely i mean for sure i know i reviewed portrait of a lady on fire at tiff in 2019 so uh you can find my review of that um at battleship pretension.com you can uh, email me at david at battleship email tyler at tyler at battleship i don't know if he's checking his email but you can do that you can follow me on twitter at davy pretension also uh check out my other podcast it's called the one where i met your mother my wife and i watch an episode of friends and an episode of how i met your, met your mother every week uh in in concurrence where it's season four episode six uh is, is is where we are uh right now so uh but yeah dive in listen to the podcast it's it's a lot of fun very different than this podcast. Uh, not that this podcast isn't fun. Of course it is, but... uh it's damn fun. <laughs> uh, Rico, where can people find you on the internet?
2: Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Rico Galliano, which was a dumb thing to name it because nobody can spell that name. <laughs> uh, it's R-I-C-O-G-A-G-L-I-A-N-O. There's a silent second G in there. Go Gagliano, Gagliano, and uh, I'm also there on Twitter. We'll see how long I hang in there, <laughs> and uh, uh, and you can find me on LinkedIn too if you want to, you know, talk shop. Um, and by the way, I'll do uh, Peg today, uh, which for those time shifting this, this would be December eighth, the uh, special episode of Movie Podcast drop. It's my interview with Park Chan Wook about decision to leave. And it's pretty rad and that is a rad movie. So do listen.
1: Nice. Um Scott, where do people find you? Uh Twitter, Letterboxd. I
0: do have an Instagram too. Um and yeah, you can actually I was checking to make sure this is a true fact. And it is that I reviewed the Criterion Blu-ray release of Jean Dielman. So if you want to see my four thoughts, I'm sure. Five years ago, I'm probably stayed mostly by it.
1: Yeah uh well thank you um uh scott for filling in and being almost as good as tyler uh thank you Especially tonight rico. i'm
0: barely awake
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh thank you rico for joining us um thank you at home for listening we'll get you next time Bye. bye bye